Okay, ready? Yes, I'm ready. Wait. <laughs> okay, I'm here. I'm, I'm, so what is the truth? <laughs> I'm here. I'm just, I have a surplus of energy right now. Okay, I'm, I'm here. Energy. Oh my God. I can't wait for the Hennessy energy drink called the Hennergy. <laughs> cut. <laughs> it sounds so horrible. Literally ah. cut the tape. Welcome back. This is We Love That, and I'm Kenyon. And I'm Jerome Santa Mozzarella. <laughs> Today we're talking about Luca, finally. And we're going to infinity beyond to talk about the entire Pixar universe, so stay tuned. Scrumptious. Scrumdiddlyumptious. <laughs> All right. Uh, Miss Scrumptious over here. Miss Delicious. Miss Nutritious. One more. And Miss... Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but what else do you need? If it's, if it's delicious and it's nutritious, what, what else? It could be ambitious. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't follow the words. I did it not. could be superstitious. Oh my god! It could be uh, um, <laughs> nutritious. <laughs> well, now you're just being supercilious. See, that's not quite. <laughs> that's not quite the same. <laughs> okay, retweet if you agree. Uh, supercilious is a word that I only know from Akila and the Bee. <laughs> And that's another reason why, you know, every day you should wake up and just say thank you, Kiki Palmer. Literally, yes, I love Kiki Palmer. And she says, <laughs> super silliest <laughs> old man. <laughs> and I said, yes. Yes, uh-huh, yes. Or when she's like, I, God, I love that movie. When she's like, uh, brunniest, why don't you just say brown? <laughs> <laughs> well... That movie's well, amazing. Where are the lies? And that we should do a whole episode on Akilah and the Bee. And her mom's like, why do you need to know how to spell? <laughs> <laughs> also, Angela Bassett is just incredible. Everybody's her in there. Her mom is Angela Bassett. Lawrence Fishburne. I knew it was Lawrence Fishburne and iconically, <laughs> Kiki Palmer. <laughs> I didn't realize it was Angela Bassett. I thought it was that, you know that woman who's in the Tyler Perry movies and she's always the villain? Or, like, she's always, like, the sassy, like... <laughs> no. <laughs> Not this archetype. That's who I thought it was. But it's Angela Bassett. Where are the Oscar nominees for nominations? Where are the nominations for Akila and the Bee? A-K-E-E-L-A-H. <laughs> is, that a, is that a song? That's the song they play at the beginning. It's all A K A K A K A K E E L A A K E E L A H. Somebody put some delay up on this, okay? It's hot. Echoes, ring spatiality. Honestly, it's prefacing, and 
I can't believe this didn't make it into our episode last week. It's prefacing T I U E J A C K S O N D P. Yes. Uh, Working at a grown up job. Never really knew that I could work this hard. How did we erase is, Kiki Palmer? I thought of it, but it, there were just too many. There literally were there just were too, too many. many. There were oh, too many. My goodness. My goodness. Uh, Hi, Kenyon. Hey there, Jerome. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm feeling great. I'm, I'm here, ready to dive. Um, how was your fourth? It was good. It was low-key. Spent it outside mm-hmm. in the backing of the yards. What? Ah, yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, spent it outside in the backyard. And what more could I want? Sunshine? Freedom? Sunshine, moonlight, a good time, good times, freedom, <laughs> freedom. <laughs> Ooh. Um, what happened with you on the fourth? Well, you know, all the people are talking. Um, I did dye my hair. Oh my gosh! Finally, I've returned, as I said I would. Um, it is a, I would call it a scarlet. I wouldn't say it's quite fire engine. Because now the other hair is starting to grow in underneath it. And that's kind of changing the, the color that we experience when we mm. look at it. You know what mm. I mean? The color experience. Yeah. Exactly. So on Saturday, it was like, oh. <laughs> on Saturday, it was a little uh, frightening. It was a little radioactive by Imagine Dragons. Um, I feel like it's always kind it's of that way. Like yeah. it starts off and you're like, what did I? Yeah, was what this? did I just do? <laughs> it takes a couple of days and you say, actually this, no, I can stand by. And I, I went to my grandmother's house for the fourth and one of her friends, and you know, you know that this is not the compliment that, you, this is not what you, the comment that you want to hear. <laughs> one of her friends was like, oh, look at your hair. I love the color. Is that permanent? <laughs> They really just let you have it. You oh, know? Uh, they let have. <laughs> Not they let have. They let have. Um, and I said, yes, it yes, is. It is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she said, that's great. Wow. Well, support from our elders is the most important thing. I agree. I certainly agree with that. <laughs> Oh my goodness. It looks great. I will say it looks great. It's eye-catching. Thank you. Thank you. Go on. <laughs> it's hip for the summer, you know? It's not really it cool is. for the summer. I mean, it's kind of hot. It's hot for the summer. Okay. It's a hot, the sequel to Demetria's Cool for the Summer. They're amazing. Hot for the summer. <laughs> uh, Kenyon, did you finally do what you said you would do? Um, the answer to that question is always yes. <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> untrue. But if you mean that did I watch Luca, then I absolutely did. Oh my God. Before we even get into Luca, we have to get, we never really talked about this. When I was in New York two weekends ago, someone messaged me on Grindr from an like a rival themed <laughs> Grindr account, oh which is a movie that I tried to get Kenyon to watch forever. <gasps> and it just was so funny. What was it actually called again? What? The, 
So the account, the name is Arrival. Uh, and the image is the poster for Arrival. Uh, there's another image of Amy Adams holding a poster that says human. <laughs> um, the, the bio says non-zero sum game. And the message was, do you like the movie Arrival? But it, the account misspelled Arrival. And so then the next message is Arrival. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, it's a message from fum, from future aliens. That's what I'm taking this to be. You've been Absolutely. contacted. Absolutely. That's exactly what it is. The thing is, if aliens were going to you know, talk to human beings, they would absolutely talk to the queers first. Oh, we've been talking. <laughs> been communicating. We've been having a grand old chat well, with the aliens. Alianza, eleganza. Alianza, eleganza. <laughs> oh my God. I People have often told me that I should be hired as a writer on RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> Because all I do is spit out these things that they would say on the show. And there's no other use for them. Such as Elianza Eleganza. Okay, I believe that actually came out of my mouth. <laughs> if we roll the date mm. back. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how I remember it. <laughs> but you know, that would be the first time. That's not how I remember it. Anyway, so you watched the movie... <laughs> I did, I did. Okay, um, what'd you think? Off the bat, I wait, mean... Wait, wait, wait. Spoiler alert for Luca. <laughs> right, yeah. Don't listen to this if you don't want to listen to this. Um, I mean, it's just, it's filled with... It's like a summer sunshine Italian Riviera moment. How could you not at least drink it in with your eyes? Absolutely. I at, agree. At the very least. I totally agree. And then, um, you know, add, add a cute little storyline about freedom, you know, <laughs> and overcoming, you know, shame and, and whatnot, repression. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I, so what I was saying before, because weren't we like talking about, oh, is it a queer movie? And I was like, I don't want to say. Yeah. Mm. Because like... So, obviously, the two little gays are gay. <laughs> well, see, I have thoughts. But I didn't get that the whole thing, like, the whole thing is an allegory for queer people, right? Like, like, and that was something that I actually really loved, is that the, you know, like, carved into the walls is, like, the demonization of the sea monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, such that, you know, it's what everyone thinks and believes and, like, it just is a part of life. Um, and then I didn't get until... I literally didn't get until at the end, it's revealed they've just won the thing, but everyone's, like, staring at them because they're sea monsters and it's raining. That it was like, oh, that's what being gay is. <laughs> <laughs> that is their experience. I didn't get into the, like, until that moment. <sighs> I mean, I'm I'm all for reading things through a queer lens. 
Right. Um, do I think that this was intended to be read that way? No, I don't. I, do you not think so? I don't. I mean, I don't. Because I here's the other thing that I was thinking about. Like, I think that a lot of criticism would be like, oh, Disney is just doing this because, like, they're queer baiting and, like, want to make money off of, like, having an LGBTQ-ish movie. But I actually think that, like, I think that's certainly true for, like, the CEOs, whatever. But I think that, like, you know, they're not making the movies. That's what I'm saying. Like, Mm. I think that the people who are making the movies... The writers, the animators are like, you know, gays, <laughs> but are like, I think that they are making. <laughs> Wait, I just had a vision of, of Pixar, you know, headquarters absolutely decked out, absolutely chocked full of the queers. And I loved that. I image. think it is. I mean, I wouldn't be I surprised. Think it certainly is like, it is right to be skeptical of the corporation, but the corporation doesn't make the content at least in like at at a place like pixar where it's like all hand drawn and like you need all of these animators and writers and whatever to like do the actual work of making the movie so i certainly think that the uh you know the corporate overlords at disney are like yeah make a movie that like will make us seem woke even though we actually don't like that's not like a priority of ours as a corporation, but they're like, yeah, this is like get gay people to watch this movie and we'll release it in June and make a lot of money off of it. But I do think that like the people involved with like storyboarding and like coming up with the idea of the movie and creating it were thinking that I think what is more likely is that they probably wanted it to be more explicitly queer and that then the corporate overloads were like, no, you can't actually make it queer. Okay, I did a little a little research last oh, night after watching. Not um, me just blabbing and you've done research. <laughs> well, I I don't I I'm not here to to disagree with you. Mm-hmm. You know, but um I the the person who directed it and who like came up with the thing was like this is based on on my life. I'm Italian. I grew up this the I'm I, a sea monster. <laughs> <laughs> literally, I am Luca the child. I had a friend, Alberto, <laughs> growing up. We're still friends, Kiki, etc. That's literally what he said? Yeah, it's like, this isn't a... Like, it's not explicitly about gay people. It's about childhood friendship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Wow. And I'm like, okay, work. That was the inspiration. I'm actually all for reading it through the, like, queer lens of it all. But I do wonder if it's even... If we're going to be subversive, if it's even more... I think it challenges just a lot of gender roles, like, yeah, and like what can what can friendship amongst littler people be? You know, they're all yeah young children, um, and you've got like you know Alberto and Luca are crying and hugging each other, and like oh, yeah, when do you see like boyhood friendships depicted in that way? Right, um, and you've got like the kind of tomboyish energy of julia and like they're all together on a team and like i I wonder if that's even if that if that's an even queerer reading of the thing of it not as not as them being little boys in love with each other right 
But here's the other thing. Little boys be in love with each other. That's also the truth. This is also so, just the So, you truth. know, it's all the above. Thanking you. Um, it is truly all of the above. Uh, yeah. Then there's, like, I haven't, like, looked back into this. I think there is a moment where there is, like, a gay couple. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> For, like, a split second. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. That's absolutely how I felt while watching it. Like, at the end when... Yeah. You know, they win the thing, and then, like, two other sea monsters just kind of, like... Oh, I'm not even talking about that. Oh, okay. I think that certainly is true. Okay, okay. What were you talking that about? That is, I, I think, more nodding toward, yes, this is an allegory. <laughs> like, <laughs> the sea monsters are gay. <laughs> um, but, no, even this is, like, a, you know, a Star Wars mo- moment where it's, like... Oh. They're like riding down, and two people are like holding hands, but they both look kind of masculine. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So you know, for yeah. half of a second in the upper left-hand corner of the screen, literally you can see a blurry image, and we think that using forensic evidence. Exactly. Okay. Literally, exactly. I love that. Um, I did love. What else did I love? I loved that Julia's dad didn't have an arm, and I loved that that just was what it was. Yeah. Um, and that it almost was a moment of like, oh, this is like explaining some whatever. And then it was like, no, some people don't have two arms. And I thought that was fierce. I loved that. Um, now, there's a part that I loved, but I'm not sure if I should have loved it. I'm, uh, as in, I'm not sure if it's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> but when Julia is like, Santa Mozzarella. <laughs> Okay, so you you literally said that phrase to me when we were talking about it a couple weeks ago. And I was like, okay, Jerome, that's like, wow, the stereotypes. How could they have... I know. I'm like, that's kind of a stereotype. But they actually... Those were the actual words said in the movie. For all... It's Italian X. The Italian X <laughs> are the people of color of the whites. <laughs> I have... That's just... There's too much in there for me to even begin. Stop Italian X. Oppression. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Santa Gorgonzola. <laughs> but, like, do people say that? I mean, I... I this don't is a know. real question that I have. The person who directed the movie, who came up with the story, grew up in Italy. Mm-hmm. In the area on which mm-hmm. this film is based. So I, you know, one might think. Yeah, I was like, they would have done their research, right? <laughs> they would have shown this to some people before putting it out there, right? Well, like they are the people, right? Like the that's kind of what I'm yeah. saying. Like the person who made it is the like right, right, right. would be the authority. So I'm like, but also maybe this is just highlighting how. Much I don't know about what Italian people say. Well, certainly, whatever they're saying, they're saying it in Italian. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, uh, oh, my God. No, what we really need to talk about about the gay movie is that everyone in it was gay, including the villain. Why was the villain so gay? <laughs> okay, that's the... I'm so glad you brought that up because that also was what was stopping me from really going going full allegory because what's his face was just it was who voices him who voices that character 
because gay. I could not stop thinking about Brian Jordan Alvarez through the entire thing. I wish that it was <laughs> Brian Jordan Alvarez. That I would cry. I wish, God, I wish. I we're starting um, a petition to re-voice the character Brian Jordan Alvarez. We he was you. giving limp wrist. He was giving sweater around tied around the shoulders. He was giving true gay. <laughs> we'll say boppish. <laughs> yeah, as in like the stereotype is still alive. Like absolutely coming in a long line of Jafar's at all, you know? Right. It's like how can I I don't know if I can really call this a queer movie because you're up all up in here with this caricature <laughs> of a of a nobody. <laughs> Get this well, out of I'll here. I'll tell you this. Everyone in it was gay. <laughs> <laughs> Including the villain and his two little henchmen were also both gay. <laughs> wow, seriously that. Well, well. And I love that. Um, the real question is, did it make you did it achieve its product placement goals of making you want to ride a Vespa? <laughs> Um, not really. I'm not a scooter girl. <laughs> I am not a scooter girl. Um, I don't have, I feel like I just don't have the balance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't have the balance to be doing all of her. Uh, but does it like really require that much balance? Don't overestimate okay. <laughs> how okay. much balance I have. <laughs> All right, okay, okay, all right. Um, uh, no, it did not make me want a Vespa. Um, I kind of overall felt like, I thought it was good. This was what I was about to say the last time, and then I was like, let me not say anything until you've seen it. But it was like, I don't think it broke into my, like, top tier, mm-hmm. but I thought it was good. But it it kind of just didn't feel like it all smoothly went together, you know what I mean? I hear that. I hear that. Like, it did feel a little tied together. It did feel a little, like, I'm not sure that the arc really played off. And to to the point of it, I thought it was good. But I didn't think it was, like, great, you know? For me, I think the most compelling parts were the, is the friendship between Luca and Alberto. And, you know, you only almost have two, like, dual main characters. And for Alberto to have such a real, like, abandonment... Yeah. Like, issue at the core. I was like, I've not seen this tackled in a children's movie in this way. That seems, you know, like it's doing doing some justice to those emotions. Yeah, I wish that there were, like, I wanted to know more about his dad leaving him because he's gay. Um, <laughs> I wanted, like, Silencio Bruno to be a part of, like, the dad thing. Mm. Like, I, I just felt like there were a couple of, like, loose ends. Here. But then I also was thinking at the end when they're like, you know, dreamed up by Pixar and like drawn by us in our pajamas or whatever. Like they literally made this. This is the movie that they made in quarantine. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I certainly haven't made anything. In so it's like work. Maybe it didn't all tie together because you all were on Zoom. <laughs> Which I mean, maybe it's time to transition into just talking about Pixar because that's amazing. Mm-hmm. How did they mm-hmm. do that? What? They literally made that movie from home. Like, that's crazy. <laughs> huh? <laughs> what? That's literally crazy. 
And I love that for them. Yeah. Wow. I mean, Pixar from the beginning has been giving us everything we've we've ever really wanted. Now, are you, are you a Pixar girl? I am. Work. I just am. Yeah. But like, who isn't? Are you? Yeah. Oh, I absolutely okay. am. Okay. Like, I'm the one who's like, like, I know what the next two are going to be. <laughs> like, I'm the one who's always like scouring the Wikipedia pages. When did it become like the, the you know, animation house to watch for you? I think it was when I like, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but there was a point when I like really got into like the Kids' Choice Awards and I was like, okay, there's like a culture, uh, you know, like stuff doesn't just appear on my TV screen. Mm-hmm. Like there are patterns, the, there are companies, there are actors, like learning that there was a whole production business industry that I was like, oh, okay. And then, and I say Kids' Choice Awards because I remember being like, okay, this is like clearly a Nickelodeon thing, but like, like Selena Gomez comes in and wins the award that Miranda Cosgrove is supposed to win from her Disney show. And being like, oh, there's like, there's different parts to it. The, like there are cogs, it's a machine, <laughs> like there's a thing going on. So... It was sometime around then that then I also kind of realized that there was a Pixar movie every year. Mm. And so it was like, oh, this isn't just like, oh, yeah, like, here's another movie. Like, you know, there are t- there are tons of movies that come out all the time. And, I, you know, as kids, we're constantly being fed commercials of all the different movies that are coming out every week. But realizing like, oh these really good ones all come from the same company. And it's not just Disney, it's Pixar, like kind of piecing that together. So once I realized that it kind of was like trivia, Mm -hmm. that I could kind of like latch onto it, then it was like, okay, I'm in. Feel it, feel it. Wow. I mean, do you remember? Okay. What about me? Um, (laughs) I think I... Kind of, I, I I either was like always on the Pixar, you know, thing, um, mm-hmm. the Pixar train wagon, mm-hmm. if you will. Train wagon. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, but I think it really got good for me after I, like in middle school, early middle school, I became really into the Studio Ghibli movies, director Hayao Miyazaki. Oh, yeah. And like they were the house that I was like watching every year yeah. for new stuff for. And then I ended up being like, well, I want more of this. Like who have these people influenced who has influenced them? And sure. John Lasseter, you know, head, yeah. head, head over there at uh, Pixar. <laughs> I don't know what to call him. Head, head, head. <laughs> <laughs> head, head and the heady. John Lasseter. <laughs> We're going to call John Lasseter the head of animation at Skydance and the previous chief creative officer of Pixar. Work. And Disney animation. So John, Mr. Lasseter, um, cites Mizaki as a huge yeah. influence. And then it became like, oh, these people kind of follow an artistic lineage from these other people that I like and that was when Pixar became a much bigger thing for me. And then, of course, like the technology behind creating yeah. digital 
all computer animated stuff. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, Luca, so the, the guy who directed Lu- Luca had directed La Luna, which was a short, mm-hmm. and they both were, he specifically cites Miyazaki as like an influence on both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And Did I, you feel like you could see that in the movie? Absolutely. Um, the town is Porto Rosso. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's a there's a Studio Ghibli movie called Porco Rosso, which is about like a flying <laughs> pig. <laughs> um, and that was one where I was like, okay, well, there that can't be just, you know, mm-hmm. a coincidence. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's got Ponyo vibes in terms of like the in-sea oh, fish town Ponyo. above water, you know, transformation, yeah. friendship yeah. thing. Um <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's actually the entire plot is the plot of <laughs> of Ponyo. <laughs> Shall we dive into Yes, let's dive it. So what we've done is we've kind of created uh, created. We're creators. We've picked <laughs> 11 sort of categories uh that we're going to pick a a Pixar movie for each. Yeah, a little stroll through through the Pixar catalog. Absolutely. See what they mean to us. Uh, so the first one, what is the first Pixar movie that you remember seeing? It's Toy Story. Oh, really? Yeah. OG. It just, we had it on VHS. I think we got it when it came out. It came out the year before I was born. But like, that is a VHS that I cannot remember not owning. Work. Now that you say that, I think we actually had... The VHS of Toy Story 2. Ooh, work. Um, I'm really remembering that VHSs were so thick. God. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the first one that I remember seeing is actually the first movie that I remember seeing in a theater, which is Finding Nemo. Whoa. Um, Whoa. It was like the last day of school. And my mom picked me and my sister up. My mom never took us to the movies. Or, like, extremely... It was all... Like, she just didn't want to watch, like, the kiddie movies. Like, my dad would take us to see, like, the SpongeBob SquarePants movie or whatever. Um, But my mom took me and my sister to see Finding Nemo. Wow. And it was great. (laughs) You know, Finding Nemo. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a very good movie. It's a very good movie. What, like... I don't know. Did that occupy a place in your, like, childhood... Movie memory. Um, well, I remember thinking that it was great. Um, but I also remember I remember being a little young for it. Like I I liked it, but it wasn't like, you know, I kind of needed something a little louder, faster, funnier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and then I just remember watching all the other ones on Disney Channel. <laughs> like I remember watching Monsters Inc. on Disney Channel. Gotcha. But yeah, finding Nemo was the one, number one. Going back and watching the original Toy Story is a real trip. Things have definitely changed in uh, computer-aided graphic uh, Right, because isn't it, like, <laughs> awful? Doesn't it look terrible? <laughs> there it, there are some ways in which it does, but now for me it's just, it's, it has, like, a vintage quality to it. It's like, yeah. this is what we could do at that time. Just like, yeah. you know, Star Wars doesn't look... For me, it still it doesn't like lose its charm because the visual effects are outdated. It's like y'all did yeah. really great stuff with what you had. 
I th- I think there's something about like that animation style now being so accessible, I guess is the word. That but like now things in that Toy Story style look like you know, like shit posts from the internet, like a, some little animation that someone threw together. But that's literally the whole movie. <laughs> and at the time, it was like, work. This is so realistic, it's crazy. <laughs> Photorealism. Oh my gosh. I also think, I mean, it goes with the, the like perspective of the story coming from like a toy world. Sure. It's like not, we're not trying to depict humans in this and like be humanistic it was like, yeah. we're going to take these plastic things and make them seem like they're alive. So yeah. it's like the perfect t- subject matter for that kind of visual storytelling. Yeah. Now, I will say this. The baby, the baby head. Absolutely terrifying. On the <laughs> robot oh my spider body. Yeah, that's horrible. Fears. Um, okay, this transitions us well into what would you say is the the most visually stunning? Oh, for me, it's Wally. That is such a good answer, <laughs> and I almost was going to say that. What are you saying? I'm saying, see, I'm saying the good dinosaur. Oh, okay. I have to come clean at this which you point. haven't seen. They're, so you were saying that there are three that you haven't seen, right? And they are um, onwards or onward. Yeah, Toy right. Story 4 and The Good Dinosaur. The only one I haven't seen, and I'm surprised that you haven't said this, uh, I haven't seen Cars 3. I've seen parts of Cars 3. I wish I honestly could say that I haven't seen Cars 3. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. <laughs> um, but here's why I think Wally is such a good... It's similar to why I picked The Good Dinosaur, is that it's animated... But there are parts of The Good Dinosaur that I feel like I'm watching National Geographic. Like, it is so (laughs) stunningly, like, it it is the ideal of, like, what outside should look like. You know what I mean? Whoa. That's kind of wild. Like, yeah. But that's what I think Wally does so well is that it, like, is nearly real. Like, for the whole beginning of the movie, when, like, there's no talking (laughs) and it's just Wally, like, living his life. Uh, it looks nearly to be photorealistic. I love that movie. It's a diversity of setting. We're on Earth, Mm post-apocalypse, in this outer Mm -hmm. space, on a space. It just, we go everywhere. Um, The cultural references in WALL-E. Oh my God. Hello, Dolly. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I mean. It only takes a moment. Put on your Sunday clothes. Yeah. There's lots of world out there. Another. Out there. Uh, That's how it starts, right? Literally, yes. That's so good. And yeah, I mean, I, just, I feel like they really struck a great balance there, again, on the visual, on how the visual language of it, like, mirrors yeah. the storytelling. Um, yeah. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. And it's, like, kind of a heavy movie. It's not like oh, a absolutely. children's, you know. Absolutely. Um, okay, which which movie had your favorite animation style? This was very difficult. Okay. We're just going to say that this was very difficult. Okay. Um, I feel like there are different eras. Like when I look back through the, the, yeah. the catalog and it's like, oh, these are kind of similar. These are kind of similar. Um, yeah. 
I'm really nerding out here. Wow. I love... Good. <laughs> I love Luca, Soul, and Coco. The What they do with, like, light yeah. in those movies are really good. Yeah. I, I said Luca because I think Luca is the greatest combination. Now the light in Coco is amazing. It's so good. But Luca, I think, is the greatest combination of, like... It has that photorealistic quality. Like there are times like when they're looking at the water where it's like, oh my God, how did you do this? <laughs> but then like you also get like the supernatural like underwater world, which I think is really beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I think that's my favorite. The kind of runner up for me is Finding Nemo. Sure. Um, yeah. Which Luca... Was serving me Finding Nemo. Absolutely water themes coming back. Yeah, absolutely. The way that they got like the haze of the water in Finding yeah. just I, I thought that was brilliant the first time I saw it and continue yeah. to think so. <laughs> Ooh. Um, okay, this category <laughs> of all categories, I'm sure it's you have tough. something to say. <laughs> this is the one that I... Um, well, I just wrote down the most answers for <laughs> uh, the best music. Anyone? The best music. So I have two. I have two that tie, and then I have three like honorable mentions. Oh my gosh! Okay, roll them out. <laughs> so the honorable mentions. One of them we've already talked about, which is Wally, because mm. um, the music is already so stunning. And then I love that it uses Hello Dolly. I just think that's so smart and great. And when they're showing space, and they're it, and they're playing "Put on Your Sunday Clothes." That's amazing. It's so I just good. Lo- yeah, that's just amazing. <laughs> um, uh, other honorable mentions include uh, Sarah McLaughlin when she loved me. Story too. Oh, I forgot about that. Wow. Yeah, I'm actually weeping now. Yeah, and then in Onward, there Brandy Carlisle wrote a song for Onward with the Hanseroth twins um, wow. called "Carried Me with You," and it's great. So those are like my my uh, honorable mentions. Um, for me, it's a tie between, and we were, you know, humming this little ditty before we <laughs> hopped on the Zoom, but uh, The Incredibles. Yeah. The the Incredits is, I mean, it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so good. But then, And I'm actually going to kind of tie it to The Incredibles 2 when they have the little, like, themes for the... Yes, for yes. Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl and Frozone. Um, Ooh, Elastigirl! <laughs> <laughs> that is sick. And David Washington has shown me the light of the... There are, like, the the Disney acapella group yes. has covers of those three yes. songs. That is crazy. Then, wait, the... um. You know who was in the little acapella group for those little songs? Who are these people? Okay. On... <laughs> First of all, the, the arrangements are by Alex Lacamoire, <laughs> which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, the bass is Michael McElroy, who is on Broadway, who's in the original Wild Party. Oh, sing. And Mama, we're only going up from there. The tenor... Michael Kilgore, <laughs> The Soprano, Carrie Manalekos, what? and the alto, Natalie Weiss. Are you kidding me? 
literally the most iconic, uh, talented singers in the world. So that's why they all sound amazing. That's why it's amazing. <laughs> it's because they're amazing. Okay. Literally, that's why it's amazing. Um, anyway, so that's tied with, for me, for the best music, with Ratatouille, that little fucking French song. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, both of those are Michael Giacchino, right? Work? I think. Michael Giacchino definitely did The Incredibles. I think he also did Ratatouille. Yeah, he did Ratatouille and Up. He did that whole, like... Oh, I mean, how could I not include that? So, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I I mean, I love all of those ones as well, but I've got to say Finding Nemo again. Work. The, like, you know, the, like, ambient water music. Yeah, you know, that's my thing. That. <laughs> that know, is that's my thing. everything. Um, I thought it was brilliant, and I do listen to it just uh, occasionally from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Then Wally has the Peter Gabriel song. Wait, they're all so good. That was something that I'd... Luca didn't have, like, a song. Right. Which I was disappointed by. Right. Okay, I want thoughts on Coco, because we're here. On the music? Yes. Oh, my God! Coco, <laughs> recuérdame! Oh, I, like, listen to four different versions of that song. <laughs> like, I love every version of that song. Like... Okay, we might differ I, I literally there, can't then. decide. I guess I have to go with Incredibles because literally everything else also is amazing. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it all. For me, Coke, for me, Remember Me, I think is a perfect example of like the relationship between music and visuals because without the visuals, that actually doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. Or like without the story, really? I like can't get into it. But let me tell you... <laughs> Who was crying when, you know, they're out there singing Remember Me in the actual film? It's me. So. No, the, I think that it is, I think it's a great song. I think the song serves so many good purposes. Like, it's a, it is innocuous enough to be like the pop song that it's supposed to be in the, well, not pop, but the popular song that it's supposed to be in the movie by uh, whatever, whoever the artist is. Um, but then also that he's singing Remember Me and then he dies. Then also that it is the theme of the movie because the movie is about remember. Like, every, and then it is, like, when he's singing it with his grandmother, like, that's crazy. It just is, I mean, we'll get to that. <laughs> we will get to that amazing, later. Amazing. Um, okay, voice acting. Whew. Best voice acting. Most memorable voice acting. Ty. Toy Story, Monsters, Inc. Oh my God, mine is also a tie. You explain Toy Story. Because you know Ted Allen is a Republican. Tim Allen? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ted Allen is the gay who was on the original Queer Eye, and he's the host of Chopped. <laughs> well. We love you, Ted Allen. Love Tim, Tim Allen. Very good. Right. Is a Republican. <laughs> they talk about catchphrases, taglines. Uh-huh. I mean, to infinity and beyond. There's a snake in my boot. That the voice acting in Toy Story like became its whole own work thing. You know, you're talking like the delivery, right? I love that, right? Like, how did you voice a character and make me think that a toy is speaking? You all did it. Love to you, Tom Hanks. 
Um, yeah. And, you know, also Tim Allen, but, you know. No. <laughs> no love. Well, you know, they, one of the Pixar movies next year is, like, the Buzz Lightyear yes. uh, origin story. Yes. But it's not Tim Allen anymore because it's not actually about the toy Buzz Lightyear. It is about the, in the universe, the superhero Buzz Lightyear that the toy is based on. But it's gonna he's going to be voiced by Chris Evans. I'm glad you brought that up just because... I think that's something that Pixar does so well is like the perspectives that they choose to tell stories from Mm. of like, okay, we're going to do a story about, you know, toys, but it's the toys that we want to hear from, not the children, you know, or we're going to like a bug's life has that same monsters Inc. Like what happens? Right. Who is the monster under the bed? Like we'll make a story about that. Um, I just love, I love that. That's very fierce. Um, it's a tie with Monsters, Inc. for me because I think, like, the all-around cast of Monsters, Inc. is doing... Every character in Monsters, Inc. like has a voice that we can recognize. Like, um, um, Mike Wazowski. I mean, you can just say Mike Wazowski, and it's like... <laughs> it, conjures the, it conjures the sounds. Or what's her name? Um, the slug lady. Roz. <laughs> lady. <laughs> I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. <laughs> like that's good. Immediate. That's great vocal performance. Immediate. Um, I tie? also went with a tie. What is he? Um, but I kind of went in a different direction. I went with uh like the most iconic cast. That's Ooh, what I went for. Okay, yeah. So my tie is between cars and inside out. Wow. Let me read you the names of some of so, selections from the voice cast of Cars. Owen Wilson, Paul Newman, Bonnie Hunt, Larry the Cable Guy, Tony Shaloub, Cheech Marin, George Carlin, Jennifer Lewis, Michael Keaton, John Ratzenberry, Bob Costas. It's like <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Jr. That's so funny. Jay Leno as Jay Limo. That's hilarious. (laughs) Um, What I love about Cars is that it's like, like Cars is, this is a movie that came out in 2006 and is a movie that the same movie would have come out in 2006 with the same cast as a live action movie. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like everything about, everything from the plot to the cast, wow. to the set, it like every part of it is like this is a movie where Owen Wilson plays a race car driver who like <laughs> gets lost in the middle of nowhere because his car breaks down and like is like has to be helped out by Bonnie Hunt and his new friend is Larry the Cable Guy. Like that is a movie, and I'm shocked that it isn't its own movie because it like the fact that their cars kind of takes you, like, distracts you from the fact that it is so formulaic. But that's what's amazing about it. You know what I mean? I am... <laughs> that it just is full of car puns. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gasping for air. I don't know how I've never thought about that, but you're absolutely 100% right. Where yeah. is the live-action cars? Now, never have I ever asked for a live-action anything. Oh, my God. But where but is the live-action live action cars? cars? <laughs> that is so funny. Wow. That is hilarious. Um, Then, you know, I went with Inside Out, 
Amy Poehler, Phyllis Smith, Richard Kind, Louis Black, Bill Hader, Mindy Kaling, like Comedy. Paula Pell, Frank Oz, like it, you know, Rashida Jones. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just they're all so uh, famous. Yeah, I'm, I I wonder what like what that means for actors now. Like I feel like now, like getting a getting a gig in a Pixar movie would be like pretty big stuff, you know. But I wonder if that yeah. was always the case, you know? Um, well, I mean, the first two that they had, like, their two stars in the beginning were Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. So <laughs> I guess it was kind of always a... I mean, I could see it being that way. Or it could be like, wow, we got two big stars and now we've, like, changed a perception in the industry. I have no idea. Yeah. But I, I feel like that's interesting. Someone make a documentary about that, about voice acting. Oh, I'm there. Literally, I'm there. Oof. Okay. What is one of the Pixar movies that you did not like, but you did come around on? Great question. Um, great question. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm actually going to say Monsters, Inc. Because, and now I came around, so, you know, I'm not slandering anybody. Mm -hmm. But... Monsters, Inc. I saw on Disney Channel. And it just was always a little too long. Um, and so watching it on TV with the commercials was like... I just couldn't get into it. And it was like kind of scary. Yeah, I feel that. So I think I needed to like... There were a lot of that... Like I was saying this before about Finding Nemo. That like, you know, as a kid... I couldn't really get the whole depth of the movie, but then being able to grow up. And I think Monsters, Inc. just was the most, like, off-putting in that way. Mm. Um, But growing up and, like, actually being able to sit and, like, watch the whole movie at once, then I was able to come around to it. I feel that. I really feel that. What would you say? For me, it's actually Cars. Oh, Wow. It um, until this very moment, <laughs> <laughs> until I figured out that we actually need a live action cars. Um, no, it for I think it just like hit me with like cars and and <laughs> it hit you with cars. <laughs> the kind of like masculine toy energy of that was like initially sure. not for me, but then I like. Then I was like, actually, wait, no, I would like to one day drive Route 66. Like, that became a dream of mine because the movie changed my mind about that. Oh, my God. I forgot about Life is a Highway. Life is a Highway. <laughs> oh. Thank you. That's iconic. Um, and now you get it. Well, now you get it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I get why it is necessary for us at this time. Exactly. Um, now... Pixar is known to make a movie that's going to make you cry. Mm. And if you don't cry, not just once, but twice. Um, What was the Pixar movie in which you cried the most? See, trying to really pick a winner on this was difficult because, you know, the tears do flow. They just do. Um, Yeah. But I think for me, it's Monsters, Inc. Really? Yeah. Okay, when in Monsters, Inc. are so you crying? So many moments. There are so many. Are you kidding me? When she has to say goodbye, when there are all the doors, and you realize the, like, 
the scale of like children and their dreams and their nightmares and the one and the sameness when there are just too many moments for me in Monsters Inc. where it's like, this is, this is affecting me. I'm being affected. I'm tearing up. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe I need to get back into Monsters Inc. I, I just would never have said. It like takes me away. It's not one of the ones that I cry during. Yeah. But yeah, at the end when he, when she has to say goodbye is crazy. That does go crazy. Uh, and Sully is so sad. It hurts every time. It hurts so good every time. Um, that And then, like I just, I said, I, I recently did find myself crying throughout all of Coco. See, for me, it's Coco. <laughs> Coco goes crazy. When he is singing that song to his grandmother at the end of the movie, what the hell? <laughs> that is, it's too much. Oh my God. Like, Coco is not a children's movie. It's not for children. It is the saddest movie I've seen <laughs> in my entire life. But it's that good sad, that like hopeful. Oh, it's amazing. Sad, where it's like, oh my gosh, family does matter. And I love my family. And yeah. remember me. And ah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's playing the song. Oh my God. That is crazy. It's really that quite really good. That really gets me. That really well noticeably absent is um is the up intro up sequence. Yeah, I think it's a little well, this kind of is a segue into the next question, but I think that you know, everyone always talks about the up opening sequence, which is certainly very sad, but it's like I I don't know. It's it's also at the beginning of the movie, which I think make, makes it hard to really be gut-wrenching, mm -hmm. whereas Coco like gets you at the end. Oh my god! But I like—I really do cry during all of the movies, except for Monsters Inc. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. So then, um, like you said, like you were segueing to, what is the most overrated Pixar movie? I'm gonna say the most overrated actually is Cars. I'll buy. I'll buy. I think that Cars is great. I do really like it, but I think there's a lot of like. There's so much Cars discourse on the internet to which I'm like, okay, like, okay. The The other thing about Cars is like, let's not forget they made two totally unnecessary, horrible movies. Oh, and don't forget Planes. <laughs> oh, I couldn't forget Planes starring John Cryer. You thought I forgot. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know about Planes, Henny. Yeah. In that, in that sense, I absolutely agree. It's like we didn't need... Really, any of the sequels? It's just too much Cars discourse. Like, too too much going online and being like, uh, there's a Pope in, the Pope Mobile is a character in Cars, which implies the existence of a Jesus car in this essay, I will. You know, it's like, <laughs> I don't care. I'm over it. Wow. What is you? What would you say is the most overrated? Um... I'm going to counter that question with another question. I'm going to say, if you had okay. the chance to change your fate, <gasps> would you? <laughs> You're kidding. I just, I remember walking out of the How theaters and you? saying, eh. Kenyon, how dare you? It, I think it just doesn't, it just didn't do, like for all of the hype about how every strand of hair on her head was individually re rendered. I now, did not. Now, this is funny because <laughs> they love, the folks at Disney 
love to say, well, we had to reinvent animation for this movie. Like, and this isn't Pixar, but for Frozen, when they're like, well, we had to design a whole new program to, so that we could do snow. <laughs> or Ratatouille, when they're like, well, there are all these rats, they're covered in hair, and so we have to do something for the hair. Which then they, they do again for Tangled, which then they do again for Brave, which then they do, it's like, okay, we get it. Hair. All the hairs are moving. <laughs> I mean, and not to diminish, you know, the feet, the engineering feat that is. And it's like, okay, because we get all these technical innovations, we get to say that, you know, something like Luca, you know, just looks incredible, you know, right, and whatnot. But the Brave story didn't get me. I find myself only referencing it to make fun of it now. I can't believe that. Even, I mean, how I was, I was also so hyped for it. It was like, absolutely, here comes her here comes she walking down <laughs> with a bow and arrow and she is absolutely taking down the patriarchy she's but it just didn't yes but then it's about her and her mom it just didn't it didn't do it you know what we'll come back to this one too okay because okay. i'll have more to say about this oh later. oh wow um what would you say is your most underrated pixar film um, okay, I'm going to use as evidence the fact that this is the first time it's coming up. A Bug's Life. Don't say A Bug's Life. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I knew you were going to say A Bug's Life. It's amazing. I haven't seen A Bug's Life since 2002. And that, case in point, thank you for supporting no, my no, argument. To, no, no, no. It's amazing. I think... <laughs> <laughs> it's got real there are politics between the different bugs we've got i think it's great i think it's great and i think it's hilarious like the no maybe maybe it went over my head at the time when i was an infant <laughs> <laughs> i very much enjoyed a bug's life okay what is your most underrated movie Obviously, The Good Dinosaur, which no one has seen. Mm. So here's my theory on The Good Dinosaur. Comes out 2015, same year as Inside Out. Mm -hmm. I think that, the, that Inside Out is like, you know, it's cerebral. It's like emotions, brain, emotional intelligence, etc. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, and I think that Disney marketed Inside Out to the liberal elites on the coast. Yes. Whereas Good Dinosaur is giving you pastoral, it's giving you coming home, it's giving you a very classic storyline. So I think that that was for like, you know, middle America. I think that was like the movie that year that was like, okay, this is like the pastoral versus the inside out is the cerebral, which mm. we're giving to the coast. So I always talk, I, people are like, oh, what Pixar movies do you like? I'm like, I love The Good Dinosaur. And they're like, I've simply never heard of it even. Wow. Um, so that's my theory. I have no evidence to hold that up <laughs> other than that no, none of the people that I talked to have heard of it. But it's stunning. And it's just a great story. It's like about dinosaurs. It's about family. It's about home. It's about like, like the roles that we play in our family. It's about like what happens when you don't fit into your family. I would argue that there's a queer reading of The Good Dinosaur. Um, I mean, I, there's a queer, queer reading of everything. I'm just going to say right. Right. Well, now I'm really thinking about it. And like, so the little dinosaur, his name is Arlo Work. Love it. 
And his dad is all, you have to be big and strong. And he's like, eh. he's very limp wrist, you know, <laughs> but I think that's fierce. And then he has to like make it home by himself. And he like becomes inspired. It's great. Oh, I love this movie. I love, love, love this movie. Wow. Everyone should watch it. Okay. It like is at the same level as like, I don't know. I would say that it's at the same level as like a Luca or a soul, you know, All right. or Toy Story 4. Maybe I need to get back on uh, on that. Yes, for sure. But is it deserving of a sequel? Our next question. Now, see this. The next, our next category is if you had to give one of them a sequel, if you had to see more of one world, which would it be, and why isn't it Cars? <laughs> and the world that I said is Brave. Oh, if you had the chance to change your fit, would you? Literally Ouija. Ouija board. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that there's so much to this world that we didn't get to see. There's magic. There's a kingdom. There's a family. Like, the the movie itself takes place over, like, in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. I want to say over the course of, like, a week or a couple of days or something. Um, I think she's a great character. I guess this kind of is saying the same thing that you're saying, which is that, like, you wanted more. I just think there's like so much more to this world to see. Okay, so the opportunity is there. Yeah. Okay. As opposed to like, you know, I and this question kind of comes out of, you know, once Disney fully purchased Pixar. Right. That now there's like they have a rule in place that for every number of original movies, they have to do a sequel or a prequel or something based on a previous work that they've done because it makes money, whatever. And like, you know, this Buzz Lightyear movie starring Chris Evans is going to make a trillion dollars. You know, I like, yes, they're right. That that is how you make money. But that's amazing that there's a rule about it, like a real rule. There's literally a rule. That's why we have Monsters University. That's why we got Cars 3. Like, that's why there's Toy Story 4, and that's why there's going to be a Lightyear. Um, There's literally a rule about it. That's... I mean, yeah, I, I I get making money, but I guess I, I did not know that they really, like, codified that into corporate law. And that's sad to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it is... I'm quickly reading reading a little bit about it. I It may not be the same rule, because I think that it in the cases of Monsters University and uh, Cars 3, uh, Monsters University is pretty good B-plus movie. Mm. Cars 3 is garbage. <laughs> but I think that they it just was not doing what they wanted it to do. But that's, you know, why else would we have a, a Finding Dory, you know? Like, yeah. it, there just was a while when it was like, okay, yeah, they're, you're giving us a lot of sequel, sequentia. Ooh, sequentia. I love Sequentia. <laughs> <laughs> um, what sequel do you want to see out of the Pixar world? Now, see, I this is something... I don't know if this is a real answer to this question because I'm going to say Incredibles. And they gave me Incredibles too. Oh, you still want more? No, I, I, I wanted more from Incredibles. And they gave me... Oh, and me, you got it. And I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember for so long, it was like, that is the one to do again. Like, that... Not to do again, but to extend. Like, well, because it's, you know, it's, it's a superhero movie. And superheroes, it, 
you just get a new villain and then you do more. Absolutely. But also like the characters we were just getting, like they just, yeah. they set up for so much that I was like, oh, yeah. I thought they were immediately like going to launch into a sequel. And then it, it didn't come for a while. Yeah, it took them, you know, uh, 14 years or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and it I mean, well worth the wait. A reprise of the music. You think so? I really, I really enjoyed Incredibles too. I thought it was really great. I also thought it was amazing. I thought the first one, the first one is so clear. Like what we were talking about with Luca, where it's like, there are just a couple things that this doesn't make the movie bad, but just a couple loose ends. Yeah. Whereas with the Incredibles, everything ties back together. Like every single piece of the movie is like together. And then you think about like how much backstory is like packed into that movie. It's amazing. So I thought the I thought Incredibles 2 was great and did tie everything back together in the same way, which I thought was very impressive just from like a story writing perspective. But I thought it was not as clean mm-hmm. as the first one was. Feel it. Um, but it still was great. It, it was really good. Yeah. I guess that's my way of saying I want not sequels from Pixar. <laughs> Which I'm, you know, I'm glad like we're getting Soul, we're getting Coco, we're getting Luca, we're getting Onward, but I ha- which I haven't seen. But like those are the recent ones. Um, yeah, I think they are moving away from this uh from the the sequel rule. Like I I need like I'm thinking back to the string of movies Cars, Ratatouille, Wally Up. Yeah. Like that like, give, hit me with another one of those. Like, take me far and away from where we've been. Right. Which, like... Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I do feel like we kind of have... Onward was about, you know, mythical world. Which I thought was good in terms of, like, they hadn't really done a mythical... Trolls, goblins, whatever, which is kind of what you think of when you think of the fantastical world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they kind of knocked that all out in one go, which I thought was good. But I would say for the last couple, it hasn't been as like, like, okay, we're going to die. Like, this is going to be the Pixar take on this world. In the same way that like, you know, Coco gives you this whole imagining. Uh, Soul kind of does this, mm. but... I I feel like the universe that it sets up is not as solid. Mm. Like the whole, I felt like the theory of the before life and the afterlife was like not fully fleshed out enough. I'm there with you. And we, we talked and about also it not all. like, <laughs> yeah, yes, correct. And it, yeah, it just doesn't tie in as seamlessly with like what the story is about. Mm. Whereas like Coco, everything, you know, everything is tying back together. The Incredibles, etc. Those are the top tiers. I mean, those are the top tier ones. Okay. Um, what Pixar movie do you feel has influenced you the most? Good question. Who came up with this question? Love this question. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Someone who will receive no credit. <laughs> I think for me, it's it's Wally. Work. That's good. It like. I almost put down Toy Story just because, you know, it's the first one, et cetera, et cetera. But I yeah. think Wally, I, I love, I live for science fiction, you know. And 
Wally is like a movie that can only be made. So many of these movies were like, you know, movies that can only be made with, um, with animation. But I think that Wally, like you could have seen, there have been tons of post-apocalyptic, like, you know, yeah. Um, machines are in control of everything. Live action and, and blended reality ones. I feel like Wally shows why, Animation is so like can be so powerful for that kind of storytelling. Yeah, um, for sure. And it that is still what I think of when I think about um, like the images that I, that I conjure when I'm like, oh yeah, capitalism, consumerism, like we're just ruining the world. It's those images that like come to yeah, mind. What first. is it? B and L. Yes. Yeah, and like garbage, just like stacked, you know, towers high and replayed advertisements to nobody like those are the things that i that i think that is terrifying as we grow ever closer to that as we accelerate (laughs) toward that inevitability um that is really terrifying that's so funny i don't think i ever thought about it as like i don't know i think i as a kid you know was just a kid and was like oh yeah apocalyptic future but now it's like, wait, that's what we're doing. Like, that's where we're, that's literally what that's we're doing. That's what we're doing. This is the plan. <laughs> this is the current plan. Yeah. It, at the time, we thought it was Walmart. Turned out it was Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. That's crazy. Yeah. I think the one that I actually, the one that I felt, I think in the moment, genuinely, I was like, I feel affected by this movie. I wrote... I wrote soul Mm. because it was the one that I was like, Oh my God. Like he just is like living his life. Like it felt like the most, like I'm going to pick up what I've learned from this movie and use it today. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I loved. But then I also like, I don't know. Toy Story three is amazing. So it's (laughs) between soul and Toy Story three. Toy Story three is just so good in every sense in terms of like how to build a story, how to, have fun with characters, how to like give a twist and then another twist and then another twist and then another twist. I love that. So like as a person who like creates things, I think Toy Story 3, but also as a person who creates things, soul. So I love that. Or creativity. Work. Um, Okay. On the fly, Kenyon, what is the, the, I'm springing a question on you. What is the next world that should be explored? Oh, I think like a cyberspace. Like into the computer, out of the computer, screens, virtual reality one. I love that. Yeah. What about you? Okay. The first thing that's coming to mind is like school. Mm. Like we haven't really explored a classroom I wonder if that's um, been intentional because, like, yeah, it's really nowhere. Yeah, like, the closest is, like, maybe Toy Story in 3 and 4. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And Soul, um, I guess. He's a teacher. Soul, he's a teacher. But, yeah, something that's, like, located in school. I don't know. They did Monsters University. Okay, this was a bad answer. <laughs> uh, what world should they explore? Uh... What about like, have we gotten like, like jungle animal moment? 
Okay, jungle animal. Well, I mean, I direct you to the bug's life. Not the bug's life. No. A bug's life. I don't want to know about a bug. Okay, but it's like tall grass. I'm talking about a monkey. You know, we've got... Okay, okay. What about like an up sequel that's like in that South American place that is so mysterious? Oh, I'll take it. Yeah, like totally different characters, but like that's where it is. I will take. I'm into that. Are you hip to the whole like... Pixar conspiracy theory where they're all in the same universe? No. What is this? What? I don't really know. But someone came up with it once that like, it's all like, there's like a theory of how it all connects. Okay. What is up with that? People are always trying to like make things the same thing, you know? Us? You mean us? (laughs) People. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean myself, actually. Right, 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 right. How does this all fit together? How does this all work together to be the same thing? And you know what? I don't care to know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kenyon, it's been so much fun. It's been lovely. We should do that again sometime. Yeah, I mean, every time we've been doing this podcast that a Pixar movie has come out, we certainly have talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I suspect... I'll see you next we'll time. continue to do that into the future. <laughs> We love that you love, we love that. This podcast is brought to you by Jerome, that's me, and Kenyon, that's him. With music by Sophia Campomore and art by Griffin Keller. Drop us a line at welovethatpodcast at gmail.com. Bye. (laughs) I'm just trolling the Wikipedia of The Incredibles right now. And during the production, Hayao Miyazaki of Studio Ghibli visited Pixar and saw the film's story reels. When the director asked if the reels made any sense or if they were just American nonsense, Miyazaki replied through an interpreter, I think it's a very adventurous thing you're trying to do in an American film. (laughs) That is so shady. (laughs) Oh,